My name is Dominic Norton, and I am the podcast host of Hackathon Entertainment, the show where we bring you the story behind every hack. For those new to the show, or hackathons in general, a hackathon is a collaborative 48-hour event where participants, called hackers, come together to solve the world's toughest problems. You'll be surprised, excited, and amazed with the solutions people are developing all across the world. If you listened to the show before, you'll be excited to know we're in for another In this episode, we caught up with Mantasa, a research assistant at the Florida Institute of Technology and a major league hacking top 50 hacker. He shared with us his hackathon stories and his amazing journey to becoming a hackathon expert. I hope you enjoyed the show. And 
and uh, it's like free food throughout the event. And I was like, oh, this is like the whole day event, and they have like food all day, and it's good. It's, it's good food. It's not like just some cold pizza. So, uh, so that's what actually brought me into the hackathon. But then when I attended it, I found it really interesting because there were like there were workshops like throughout the day, and uh, there were people from uh, from GitHub, like the actual GitHub company before this was before they were acquired by Microsoft. Um, and they they actually came and gave a talk and there were like workshops and everything. So um, I did like at, at that hackathon I did all the I did so many workshops that I I almost didn't finish my project and uh, I finally did and then um, uh, I uh, I won uh, third place uh, at the local hack day and that was that was basically I I really loved the whole experience and I was hooked. I was like oh. This is great. When the next one? And then, um, and then the semester after that, uh, I attended my first like hack. Well, no, that um, the the semester after that was the summer, and there was this thing called NASA Space App Challenge, and um, me and a couple of my friends we did that. And uh, right after the summer, when the fall semester started, this was fall 2017. Um, my this was my first like actual major league hackathon or like hackathon event that was a night hack and that's how my hackathon journey started that's so interesting and do you think hackathons have really impacted your life oh yeah definitely like now some people will ask me hey what do you do on a weekend or uh, you know what do you do for fun and i just like i'm just really honest and i go like i have no my social life is hackathon i just um before, uh, before um, you know, physical distancing and social distancing and work from home, um, I used to travel almost every weekend to a hackathon. Uh, I uh, I usually made it a point to try and go to an event that was somewhere I've never been to, um, go to a college campus that I haven't visited, make new friends, you know, network with new people, and it's been an amazing experience. Like. Um, you know, I have been to, uh, like, I've, no, I've never been to, like, a hackathon outside the United States, but in the States, I have been to pretty much a bunch of the Ivy League schools, um, universities, campuses all across the U.S. Um, I, I I literally lost count of how many I've been to, and, and, there's, and there's always been an interesting story with, with every single one of them. Like every hackathon has has like a has like a story attached to it. Like I could write if I wrote a book about hackathons, I could write a chapter on everything. And I I totally I totally agree with that because I have very very similar experiences. And I I guess a little bit later on we will get into hopefully one or two of those stories. But you did mention about uh, major league hacking, uh, major league hackathons. And for people that don't know what Major League Hackathons are, can you talk a little bit about that? And I believe you're ranked in the top 52, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Um, they actually just made the MLH top 50 a thing um, for like starting the beginning of this year. And uh, I was fortunate enough to have been, um, and humbled really, to have been chosen among uh, the MLH top 50. Um, so MLH is uh, essentially the league for collegiate hackathons. 
um, if there's a hackathon at the collegiate level, which means the university students throw it together, um, and uh, they meet certain criteria, uh, i.e. they're a certain size, they have a certain number of sponsors, and most importantly, they have a certain uh, rule of uh, conduct that they are adhering to um, with regards to a hackathon, then um, they can basically become a major league hacking event. Um, a major league hacking then essentially allows the, allows the hackathon to uh, to accrue points for your university and for um, also um, uh, it gives you like certain category prizes and they help out with organizing and everything. Um, uh, and they have like a certain uh, I want to say there's like a certain flavor to MLH events. It's very very student centric. Um, it's very uh, there there are a lot of fun events. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, you know if you attend an MLH event, the experience you get out of it is because um, I've a, attended other like non MLH events. The experience is very unique. It's very uh, it's very conducive to learning. Um, and anyone who attends an MLH event, in my opinion, like if they stay throughout the whole event, they always come out with either having learned a skill or at the least picked up a friend that they didn't have before. And what's your, what was your route to becoming a top 50 in the Major League Hackathon League? Well, to be honest with you, my uh, my approach to hackathon wasn't um, it, it, it like I, I of course it's a it's a hackathon it's a competition I do want to win something but um, uh, to be fair my main aim from a hackathon is to be able to build something cool to utilize my knowledge of tech to um, to to basically come up with an idea and then build it. Um, you know, when you're with friends, sometimes, you know, um, you're talking and then you say, uh, oh, hey, I have an idea. Let's do this. And um, hackathons for me has a way of uh, adding on to that initial feeling of I got an idea, uh, um, which to me is, okay, I have an idea and now I can build it. So um, building uh, building projects, project, building solutions to me has always been like um, a very core focus um, for what I do at Hackathon. And then um, what I kind of noticed is I try to uh, pick up at least one new tech or one new skill at every Hackathon I go to, which right now um, what that has allowed me to do is um, if somebody asks me, can you code in some obscure language or something, even if I haven't, um, if if I'm not proficient at it, I have usually touched some some code or some technology that uses that once upon a time. Like, and this is what hackathons have given me. Like one of the things that they've given me. And uh, then of course, um, I uh, kind of like I have with myself, um, like in my personal notes, I have the best practices to do at hackathons, which. Um, my, as, as my way of giving back to the community, what I do is uh, I usually try at every hackathon, especially every major league hackathon I go to, I try to have at least one new person that I haven't met um, or like a total fresh, like a newcomer.
part to hackathon in my team. So I get the ability to mentor them and also kind of brush up on some skills that I didn't have before. And that has actually allowed me to come up with a very diverse um, set of ideas and uh, concepts for building my projects. I mean, there was there was literally times when um, I specifically teamed up with somebody non-technical, and they had an amazing idea that I would never have thought of as a technical person. Um, of course, they didn't know how to get a, go about doing it, but once I heard the idea, I was like, oh, this is an amazing idea. So if you want the opportunity to build it, you know, I'd, I'd love to form a team with you. And more than once, what that has led to is us winning the hackathon or winning in like at least a prize of the hackathon. And this has gone on again and again and again. And um, at one point, I guess, you know, um, I had a lot of wins that way and um, I got recognized. Um, and plus, um, I did make a lot of friends through hackathons. Like um, uh, every hackathon I go to now, um, I at least pick up one new. And just on that note of making friends and your personal development, hackathons have been key to where you are now, even as a PhD student. Do you think with the rise in technology, hackathons will be more and more important to development of students and the wider community? Oh, definitely. Like, speaking to my personal experience as uh, as a PhD student, so... Um, as a PhD student, especially in the computer technology field, I am supposed to keep abreast of exactly what's happening in the in the in the world of technology. Um, you know, all the time, I'm supposed to know what's at the edge because I'm supposed to contribute to the edge. And being in hackathons has actually given me a unique perspective of, oh, this is what companies are doing. This is what Google is doing now. This is what Microsoft is doing now. This is what IBM is doing now. So. Um, you know, I get that. Uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give you a hackathon centric example. So, um, my third hack MLH event was called Hack Riddle, and uh, um, at that time, uh, AWS had just announced a beta version of their um, of of their platform called Recognition with a K, and this was like their machine learning way of recognizing things and, um, you know, visual recognition and everything. And it was literally a day before, like a day after they announced it, when I got to use it at a hackathon. And that was, that, that was really amazing because they had, it was like raw off the, like just off the shelf product. And, um, it was in beta and I got to use it and I won a prize for it, which was, which was great because, um, this was a product that many people never even heard of. And just because I was at a hackathon and I was looking for something new and innovative to do, I was motivated enough to look at the edge and find it. Um, and and this has been like the case at many, many hackathon events. There are some events where we have like Google engineers come out and um, I literally went to them and I said, hey, I want to do this. Is there a Google way of doing it? And they said, yeah, there's this product we have. It's not well known. We just like rolled it out a month ago or something like that. And they showed me how to do it. And I, you know, I, I quickly learned it and absorbed it into my, into my skill set. And, and now 
I actually can teach people how to do stuff like that. Like, um, there, there was a hackathon, like the last, one of the last events I went to, I actually said, Hey, there's a way, um, there's a way to do this in Google. Um, just, uh, give me 10 minutes and I'll show you. And voila, 10 minutes there. And, um, I had actually talked off a new skill. I, I myself learned at a hackathon. I passed that off at another hackathon to another kid. And I think, um, this is a, I think this is a great way of, you know, propagating skills um, among tech, especially among all students. It's not just tech students. And it sounds like, it sounds like um, you're heavy focused on learning at hackathons and also teaching, but learning too. And it's a very good educational exercise for you. Have you thought about taking any of the projects or especially the winning ones a little bit forward? And I'm sure in some of the hackathons, the prize is, I don't know, an accelerator or to speak to investors or, you know, the number of things hackathons yeah. offer for the winning projects. Yeah. So last year uh, at a hackathon um, in 2019, um, I did a hackathon at, in Pittsburgh called the Pit Challenge. And uh, my team and I, we won that hackathon. And the product that came out of that hackathon is now, uh, it's a startup. Like, it officially became a startup last month. And are you still a part of that project, or are you too Yeah, busy? I'm a co-founder. Okay. And can you, and I, 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 I didn't know this, and can you talk a little bit about your experiences from transitioning from working on something in maybe less than 48 hours, you might have not known the people beforehand and turning that into a startup almost less than a couple months after? Yeah, so um, one of the things of doing, so I have an experience of doing that with two of my uh, hackathon projects. So one of the things, obviously, for continuity is, um, one of the things that's vital is that the team that's working behind the project, uh, the project needs to believe in it. Like you need to have a passion for what you're doing. Um, that extends beyond the 24 or 48 hours that you're, that you're involved with. Um, so, uh, it's almost like having a baby, right? So if you are willing to put the time and the effort, into raising that baby, you know, that baby becomes your child. And then you have, you have a, you have a connection with, um, with that child and you have a vested interest in seeing that child grow and, you know, mature and become like, become a person, become like a, in an independent entity. Um, so that's one of the first things that you need to have in order to, um, to advance a product or a project um, beyond a hackathon and into a, into an actual like product or a business. Uh, the second thing is, um, of course, you need to have some validation of is this actually workable? Is this a real thing? Is this useful? Does it provide or is the value proposition good enough for it to turn into a business? And in a lot of cases, um, you you're going to see that hey, this is a really good hackathon project or it's a good good product or it's, uh, it, it's a really clever thing, but um, it doesn't really translate into a, uh, a business idea. Like the business model for that thing doesn't really, uh, or, or it's a 
stretch to make it work. So um, you you kind of need to have an understanding for that in the beginning, and um, and usually there are some hackathons that have some very good um, things called pitch workshops, uh, like not pitch to win the hackathon, but pitch for business workshops, and where you actually get people from accelerators and things like that to give you tips on your idea itself. They they just say, hey, you have uh, uh, 60 seconds, pitch me your idea or pitch me your project. And I'll tell you whether this is a good product or not, or what you have to do to improve it. And um, oftentimes, out of that, we have, like, I have literally seen, not myself, but I have seen my fellow hackers come up with products that literally started at the end of that, the feedback they got from from these uh, pitch, uh, pitch sessions. And probably, this will probably be my last question on that transition from hack hackathon to like startup i i feel i feel it's a super interesting topic and we can talk about it all day but there's also other things that i wanted the audience to kind of learn from you but it's on do you think that that should be the goal to try and create a startup out of this kind of hackathon project there's a trick to it right um the more projects that you do the more consistencies you see between projects and the more you know where to take shortcuts might not be the word but you know what features and functions can be done in 24 hours and you know what's kind of a stretch you have a better ability to gauge what you can do within the time Have your 
signature on a project or a product. So uh, I, I remember this, this was actually an off-the-cuff comment someone made to me a few weeks back. They just looked at the name of a project and they're like, that sounds like a Montasser project. I was like, what, what makes you say that? You don't even know what it is. I was like, I looked at the name and, and, and it sounds like it. And, uh, and then I kind of realized, yeah, like every project that I've involved, uh, that I'm involved with has a certain structure, it has a certain flavor. And because I can't look at it with objective eyes, I guess somebody who can can immediately point that out. Yeah. And what are the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome at hackathons? Well, um, I would not like to be like completely honest. Every hackathon has its own unique challenge. Like some some hackathons, the challenge is like surprise, surprise. The challenge is how to get there. <laughs> It might be like, it's a great hackathon, great event. It's like in this place in rural Pennsylvania you've never heard of. And getting there gets a challenge, but, you know, eventually you overcome it. Um, some hackathons, the challenge is um, getting good Wi-Fi. You know, you throw uh, 2,000 students together, um, in one spot, the Wi-Fi was only meant to handle 500. You're going to get problems. And plus, in the hackathon, everyone is using up bandwidth. Some pro some hackathons, the problem is, uh, oh, the food runs out, um, which, which shouldn't happen. But unless, if you have a large event and it's not well-organized and well-streamlined, you will get logistic problems like food. Um, some hackathons, the challenges are, uh, you know, um, you kind of, and this always like happens when you, um, when you've done a few hackathons and when you're like really enthusiastic, you want to add so many features to your core project or your core product. And in the end, you realize that the only resource you have lacking is time. You are, you're literally like three hours away from finishing the hackathon and you know exactly what to do if you had five more hours or six more hours, but you just don't have it anymore. And so, uh, to, the, to that point, to that yeah, point, so, so even yeah. with your startup, it's the same thing, right? You might have a big pitch coming up in two months and you're tight for time. What's the key to, what's the key to limiting the features and really understanding what you can do and can't do? So, um, one of the things that I've discovered is you have like a hierarchy of usefulness uh, and uh, and you know time or resources invested in making it happen. So you might consider like, oh, this is a really good and really useful feature to have, but the amount of time or the amount of resources I would invest into making this feature a possibility, the same, um, you know, I could do you invest the same resources and and have four more features um, be a thing with, you know, um, as a trade-off. So you have to really be, um, you know, be cognizant of that, of those trade-offs and make wise decisions um, at those points. Well, that leads into our 
next question. And what is the key to developing successful hacks at hackathons? Um, okay, so uh, a lot of people have different ideas and different, you know, different ways to go about it. But for me, if I want my hack to be successful at a hackathon, these are the things I need to do. A, I, the idea needs to be good. Um, you know, uh, sometimes you might have a really good team, you might have really good skills, you might be really able to pull off, like, you know, rabbits out of hats. But if your idea is not good, you know, ultimately, it's not going to get too far. Um, secondly, uh, you have to, when you, when you think of an idea and your team comes together to make it into a hackathon project, it's kind of like a promise, right? You're making a promise to deliver the product at the end of the 24 hours or 48 hours or sometimes bad scenarios you are fiddling around with the idea and you will now you only have 12 hours to finish it. So it's basically a promise that in 12 hours or whatever X hours, I'm going to deliver this product. So it's how well you can keep up that promise, you know, the dedication or your drive to it. And uh, the third and one of the most important ingredients is good design. Um, a lot of times, like this is something you can, like I learned by experience and, um, I think most people, once they have the experience of this, they are going to learn it well. Which is, if you have a, if you have an idea and your, and to build it, your design is good. It makes coding it really, really easy. If your design is not good, you are going to have a terrible time putting it all together. So you're talking about architect, art, architectural design, software architecture. Yeah, architectural design, um, system architecture, system integration, like basically overall system design. And one thing that is interesting that I don't think you mentioned is about, well, you did speak a little bit about the team, but how do you find the right team? Well, that's a that's a very loaded question. Uh, you know, there are there are many ways of finding or building the right team. And to be honest, I'm still discovering it. Like, you know, I try different combinations. And one thing I've noticed is it's not a good idea. It's a good idea to have, you know, uh, to have a team where you're working with people you know and you trust. And there's like good, uh, you know, you gel together. There's a good man, like understanding between between all of you, and I do have a core team like that. Um, that I, when I first started doing hackathons, I formed this little core of you know five or six people who, among us, we used to go to hackathons together. You know, it wasn't always all of us together. Um, it was usually like three or four of us. Um, but when we did get together, we really worked well together. Um, that being said. Uh, I've also noticed that once you have, like, once you're open to the idea of introducing new people to your team, you get immediately, like, a cake of diversity. Your ideas become more broad, and, you know, your horizons kind of increase. And uh, that's also a key ingredient to having. Like, you have to have a balance between working with 
familiar people, you know, a familiar face, a familiar team that you're good with, um, and introducing new, um, you know, having new connections, um, diversifying uh, your mindset. In fact, like, um, you know, sometimes, uh, for example, I'll give you, um, I'll, I'll give you a quick example. So once we, uh, we just started a hackathon and, and there was this girl who, who had, uh, who had a pretty impressive like tech stack. Like I, like we're at a team forming event and I was like, that's an interesting tech stack. So I reached out to her and we formed a team and immediately having like, cause we were a team of three guys. Immediately having a girl and somebody from a different part of the world that we were familiar with, she got some ideas which we would never have thought of. And it actually helped us build a much better product. So to the point of di diversity can only help your team and sometimes going outside and approaching someone that may not look like you can be a great idea. Have you joined any teams where you are kind of not, I don't want to say the diverse one, but have you joined teams where it's, let's say, majority women, or you join teams where it's a certain ethnicity that's dominating the group? Uh, I have an interesting story about that. So um, I was uh, last November... I went to Utah um, to a ha for a hackathon at Utah State University. So um, I've never been to Utah before. And uh, I heard that there were a lot of Mormons in Utah. I didn't know they were the majority. Uh, are you familiar with Utah? I'm familiar with it from the sense of what I've seen in the news and articles I've read, but I've never been there. Yeah, yeah same here. So, I, and I probably know less than you. I just knew there were a lot of Mormons in Utah. I didn't, like, I didn't know of, like, their prevalence or their population. It's, it's literally, I think they're like 95% of the population there. Oh, wow. I'm not even kidding. So, I went to the team, like, obviously, I didn't know anybody there. This was my first time in Utah. I went to the team formation event, and uh, we formed a team. And it was me and... Uh, these two other guys and they were Mormons and I didn't. So, uh, I kind of have like a, like, uh, you know, when I'm working late at night, I have like a sailor mouth. Like I, I, I will, uh, I will, I will let out a couple of expletives if something, something's not working right. Um, and I did not know that Mormons don't swear or cuss in public. And, uh, <laughs> it was a real eye-opener when we were all in the common workspace. And I, I, I'd let out an expletive because something wasn't working right or I was getting frustrated. And then the entire room became like this deadly silent. And I just, I was like, what happened? And I looked around and everyone would give me the stare. <laughs> and, then, and then we started working again. And then after maybe half an hour, that happened again. And then this time there was like an even more ominous stare. And then I, uh, and, and then I, I had the sense to, I am one of my uh, friends, like, um, who, who knew a bit more about Mormons. And I asked him, I'm like, 
do Mormons not swear in public? Is there something wrong? And then he's like, yeah, yeah, don't swear in front of a Mormon. They will, they think it's an offensive thing. And I was like, oh, okay. So, so yeah, that was, <laughs> I was, uh, I was literally the only non-Mormon in the, in the, in the room, probably in the hackathon. And so that's, that's, it's, it's a great story because it makes me think how well, how was you meant to know? I, there, there was no process, right? And I guess the same thing is when we join teams where we might be the minority or we might be from a different group that, you know, it might be me coming from the UK and working in the US or working at a, working with people at a hackathon in the US and I say something that's offensive but I don't know it's offensive and it's interesting how you kind of overcame that and you spoke to your friend and you kind of corrected your behavior and those are I guess great steps for working in teams but do you have any ideas of how we as developers as academics can be more aware of other groups so we can work better with other groups? So I think the best way to get to know um, the way, uh, the, uh, the like how people from a group different to us think is to actually work with them. So like I said, one of the things I did when I went to the, to the Utah hackathon, I had the option of working alone or working solo on a project. I, that was, that was literally not what I wanted to do. I did want to form a team and I did want to have somebody with a different experience, different outlook from me. And it made my experience a lot richer for being able to learn, uh, how somebody else thinks or how someone from a different culture, different background, um, what their thought processes are. And in the end, it makes, you know, it makes my experience much more fulfilling and, um, ultimately for what we're doing, you know, we're building a project, we're building a product. It helps in the development cycle by providing a much more or a richer perspective, um, you know, development or ideation wise than you would have if you had like a very narrow or like homogenous, um, outlook on things. And do you think anything else was affected? Like, well, was that the only, uh, was that the only difference or was that the biggest difference? The, I guess, I don't know what to call it, like the language customs. And that's probably not the worst way no, to describe no, it's not, it. It's not, it's, it's, it's really, it's not, it's not, it's not just a language. Um, uh, things like how people think, uh, when, uh, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give you a, I'll give you a, give you another example. So a lot of times, um, when we build a hack, like when I build a hackathon project, I'm trying to solve a problem, right? I'm using it, using technology to build a product that addresses an issue that people might have. So sometimes, um, you don't know how people are affected by this issue if you are not in their shoes. So, um, I'll give you a, uh, I think uh, in February of this year, I built a project um, with a team that addressed the issue of uh, 
disabled or handicapped people when they access buildings. Like, you know, they have like their own like handicapped entrance and their, um, uh, you know, si different signage, etc. But uh, I never got this perspective um, when until like we were demoing our project. And one of the first, like luckily for us, one of the first people who um, who was looking at our project demo said, oh, that was very interesting. But, you know, a lot of times people have this problem um, handicapped people have this problem of other people not understanding why they might be slower. Like it might not be obvious, but there are there are some limitations to the speed at which they can react to do things. So if systems that are meant for handicapped people are, um, you know, have like a have take that into consideration, like the lowered reaction times, then that makes a really good. Uh, um, you know, that, that's a really good feature to have. Now, luckily for us, for demo purposes, we had slowed down a bunch of the features in our system. So we immediately got how to pitch our system. We we're like, oh, we've introduced a delay in our system that, you know, that accounts for the fact that people might be slowed down. And that was really a good perspective to have by, um, you know, if I had not thought of asking somebody who was affected by a certain problem in a way that I wasn't, I wouldn't have gotten the idea of including a certain feature. And what prompts that? Because I, I, I'll, I'll spend a little bit on more on that question, because in, you can take AI and that that's a part of your your PhD studies, and I'm sure you would know, and it's it's public knowledge. A lot of the algorithms are limited by the data sets. And the data sets inherently have bias, let's say facial recognition and people with darker skin, it doesn't oh. work as well on, but that's because of the data sets. And oh. <laughs> I have a very interesting story about that. <laughs> so remember when I told you about like the AWS recognition? Yeah. So I immediately got like that team that I was working on, like at that hackathon, our team had me. Um, I'm like typically like a brown person. You would you would probably categorize me as brown skinned or dark brown skin. Then we had one person who's like African American. Like he's he's uh, he's from Haiti, so yeah. he's like like you know typical African features. Yeah. And then we had one person who's like straight up Caucasian. So like basically. Uh, typical Caucasian features. And then I had a friend at the hackathon who was uh, Chinese-American. So um, what I did was I tested it out with all of them, and then I immediately figured out this bias. And this was in 2017, before like all these studies came out. I At, at a hackathon, I figured this out. And then I kind of found a way around it. I was like, okay, so... The way to do this actually is to have a light behind the camera, mm. and it actually improves your improves the facial recognition rate. Yeah, that, so that makes a lot of sense. It it makes it makes a lot of sense in a hackathon sense. In when I think of when I think about that a little bit more, I think about the airport, and you still have issues in the airport. In the real world, you still have issues. And obviously, they're probably all using different 
algorithms and different sources and different data sets. So, but yeah. yeah and, 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 um, and like I said, if you have a team technically focused on solving a problem, um, more times than not, the problem will get solved. Like, I just gave you the example of, oh, there's this facial recognition issue with people not being recognized correctly and stuff. We ran into, like, when Amazon debuted their facial recognition, like, engine, I don't know any other project, like, on the hackathon level or whatever, that has used this, pro like, this technology um, before before our product. And we've, we, not only did we, like, um, have this, project ready um we ran into the problem of like diversity in recognition and we solved it in that 24-hour time period um of course it was a ha it was a hackathon so it was a very hacky solution but the solution worked and we actually got multiple awards at that hackathon we got the best information security award because in for in the uh the person judging it was like the it security person or the IT security director, and he asked us this exact same question, like, how are you going to account for whether it recognizes, like, different, like, people in from diverse backgrounds? I, I did a demo right in front of him. I turned the light off, and the recognition rate dropped. Like, it wouldn't recognize the darker-skinned person. I turned the light behind the camera on, and it recognized me. And so, back to the, the kind of point about team collaboration and diversity in your team do you feel that some of the issues we have in technology just thinking about the broader scope of technology outside of hackathons is it because we don't know the solutions like we know the problems and are not applicable to everybody but we don't know the solutions or is it that like your um your hack your hack around the disabled um the disabled hack is it that we don't have the stakeholders at the table saying, no, this is not going to work for me? To be honest, I think it's a mix of both. Um, there is an element of, like, obviously the second element is uh, in a lot of cases stronger. You don't really have all the stakeholders involved to get their perspective on things. Um before you start building a solution, like they don't need need to be part of the development team, but when you're when you're formulating the problem for the product, uh, you know that when you're formulating the problem that your product is supposed to solve, you need to have the perspective from the people most affected by it. Um, that's one. The other thing is like like I said, both of them are equally important. The other one is also. Uh, also um, important because you need to have uh, you need to have like a technical focus on like whatever project you do and it must uh, uh, in my in my experience at least um, the more uh, you know the, the more options you have the more the, the more knowledgeable you are about certain technology uh, the better you are suited to kind of say this technology is applicable for this problem or this technology is not applicable for this problem and that i think that's a great way to approach it because a lot of the times we try to 
say this one solution is going to save the world and change everything when actually chances are solutions really hyper specific but we don't sell it like that yeah so uh in my like in my opinion a solution is not generally a monolithic thing because the problem usually is also not a monolithic thing the problem has many aspects many perspectives and your solution must be flexible enough to um to accommodate that so um going back to like my uh, disability uh, like helping disabled people um you know people have different disabilities and even within disabilities people have various levels of them so somebody who who's on a wheelchair might not be like completely confined to the wheelchair whereas someone else might be in the wheelchair and they might not even have the ability to move their arm um even though they're on the wheelchair so you know you have to kind of be cognizant or be aware of the fact that problems are not monolithic things and so your solution must be flexible enough to adapt and we're kind of leading to the last one or two questions how do you and i think you've answered this right at the beginning how do you keep your skills up to date so you did mention hackathons but if we try and think of some practical ways for example do you go on leak code and do coding challenges or i i don't know so lead, yeah lead code and hacker rank are usually good, good they're good ways to keep your like raw coding skills in in uh you know in, in proper shape it's sort of like going to the gym and working out you know to keep your muscles toned and to you know keep fit um but uh in order to keep your skills or you know repertoire good is work on projects um contribute to github you know work on open source projects um you know pick up something that's interesting like doesn't really have to be at a hackathon uh you know pick up some charity work that you're uh you know that you're good at or that's that's close to your heart like a like a like a cause that's close to your um your interest and then usually there is some kind of uh platform um that is helping people with that problem and you know contribute to that platform on github or um you know on open source repositories and if there is no platform well that's a great great place to start like you know next hackathon or even without a hackathon build a platform that helps um you know helps the community um affected by the problem that's close to your heart and i guess my final question would be more on a couple tips for hackers maybe somebody's transitioning from i guess you you spoke a little bit about your you wanted to take the next step and that's what inspired your phd and you continued with that the hackathons but maybe someone is in finance and they want to get in tech or maybe they've been in marketing for 30 years and they're you know maybe they're 50 and they want to start getting in tech what tips would you have for them okay just as an inspiration for people who might like not be considered as like young anymore or like too old to switch trades one of the most successful people i've seen at hackathons like who's won 
like literally more than a million dollars in prizes is like that person like i'm not going to mention details that person is like in their late 50s and they they knew zero programming when they started hackathons and it, within a year of doing hackathons they literally were earning like they'd made more than $100,000 in winnings so this the, like let's just not go into specifics but um there is no age entry to being in tech there is no gender entry to being in tech there is no um you know background entry to being in tech you could be like completely you could not have seen a or not have used a computer in your life and then started to program when you were like in your late 30s and then become like a tech and or like have a career in tech and in technology there are like people at large tech companies like facebook google amazon like all of them that have similar stories and similar backgrounds they're in finance um they wanted to switch careers and then they got into tech picked up coding they liked it and the internet is a great 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 equalizer um for pretty much any technology that you want to do if you go online and you look there's usually a good tutorial for it if the technology is good and it's mature um for me personally uh for my uh phd work i use open source tools like um tensorflow um pytorch i used to use something called tiano but it's not a thing anymore um and all i learned everything i have learned about them is just going online looking at a tutorial googling it looking at stack overflow and you know that's just some keystrokes on a keyboard and you know um it's very accessible so um you know all i would encourage anyone to do with that with that uh, um with that ambition is take the take the step go online look at it try it out and it's it's not we're not in a world where you have to invest a lot of time effort and resources into um you know into seeing if something is good for you um you know that the cost to entry is very low so it's a it's a it's a great you know you need to if you take the plunge you're going to like like you're going to figure out very quick whether you like the water or not and i i want to thank you this has been a, an amazing conversation there's lots of gems there that i think lots of people can take away and they can use very very practically and it's thank been thank you for great. the opportunity no it's been it's been my pleasure to speak to you and i know a lot of people will take away a lot from it so thank you again developers 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 developers